So we just welcome you tonight, and uh, we have been talking in uh, the two parts of life. And in the two parts of life, you know, one of the things that we saw is we saw that uh, there, part one is God loves us. God loves us. And he wants to get his love to us. That is his priority, is getting his love to us. Part two is us loving on God. And here's the things. A lot of time I know in my being raised in church, and maybe it has been yours too, whether you've been in church or not, a lot of the focus has been how are we loving God first, but we haven't ever really fully received the love that God has for us. And a lot of times we will have received him as Lord and Savior, but in an, in an individual situation what will happen is, you know, we'll have something bad and, and we'll want to say, well, what are you doing? What caused that? And so what we're doing is instead of God loving on us first, we're trying to love on God without receiving his love in that area, and we're not empowered by the, his love in that area because we haven't received love. It says we love because he first loved us. So in other words, we love because we have received. So if we haven't received, then we're not able to give. So a lot of times in our finances and in our fruit that we are supposed to produce, uh, it's very important for us to receive from God first. So let's go ahead and turn to John 15, 16. And if you want to, I'm going to be going through some scriptures pretty quickly just to give you a basis, a scriptural basis for it. But if you want to, you can pull up the notes at boomerangchurch.org slash notes and you will find there increasing your fruit. And I, increasing your fruit is a very general topic for tonight. A subtopic would be moving into God's abundance in your finances, etc. How many people would like to not just have your needs met, but you would like to have God's abundance actually in your life that's what we're talking about tonight now here's the thing a lot of people hearing that are going to be saying this well I don't need God's abundance I just need what I need and you know it's not about me it's about him and his kingdom and his righteousness seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you and it is about him and his kingdom but let's look at a couple of verses before you just click off and you know, kind of click off in your head. Let's look at a couple of verses and you're going to see why us operating in abundance is imperative to the fruit that remains being there as well. So let's look at John 15, 16 first. And it says, You did not choose me, but I chose you. And appointed you that you would go and bear fruit. So the appointment of God is for each one of us, for all of us, to bear fruit. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. And later on he defines it and says, this is for everyone that will ever believe on me. Anybody that's ever going to be a Christian. So this is who he's talking to. And our appointment, our mission from Jesus is 
that we would bear fruit. And it says, and that your fruit would remain. In other words, that fruit would not be temporary or temporal, but it would be fruit that remains. So that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. So in other words, right here, all of a sudden, we're already seeing that in order for us to have fruit that remains, and as a part of it, at least going along with having fruit, and fruit that remains is a giving from the Father to us, either for that or because of that. I think it's kind of a little bit of both, and we'll see that. But here's the biggest point. Jesus wants us to have fruit that remains. So let's turn right now to 2 Corinthians 9.8. 2 Corinthians 9.8 Now this principle that I'm about to lay out in front of you here, this first principle, is all over the Bible, but this verse kind of encapsulates it, and then it gives us the uh, diving board, the launching point for the rest of the teaching tonight. So let's look at this. Verse 8 says, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. So what I want to focus on is the every good deed. This every good deed is your fruit. This is how fruit comes up, is through every good deed that we have. But here's the thing, what God's laying out in this verse, if you back up a little bit, how is every good deed supposed to come about? We are called to good deeds, we are called to good fruit and fruit that remains. But how does every good deed come about? Well, one of the ways that it comes about in this verse is it comes through the abundance that God gives to each one of us. So in other words, if we are not in abundance, we're not following the plan that God has to move us into every good deed. And if we're not moving into every good deed, we're not going to have fruit and fruit that remains, which is what God told us to do. So immediately with just two verses, what we see is that in order for us to have fruit and increase the fruit that we have, we have to have a priority on having an abundance. And when I say an abundance, do I mean finances? Yes, I mean finances. But I also mean health. I also mean protection. I also mean knowledge of the Word and knowledge of God. We need to be operating in abundance, life and life in abundance, in every area of our life. But I want you to see that how does, okay, we need to have fruit, Fruit comes by us doing every good deed. Every good deed comes from us having an overflow or having an abundance. But how does an abundance come? An abundance comes because God gives us grace that abounds and it meets our needs. And then it not only meets our needs, but it meets our needs and then it goes and flows into abundance. So in other words, if you don't have your needs met, you're absolutely not operating in abundance. That means you are not moving towards every good deed. That means you are not moving towards fruit. And you're definitely not moving towards fruit that remains. So the more I walk in every good deed, the more fruit. The more I have my needs met and abundance, 
the more fruit I have. And literally this verse here in context is talking about finances. So we're talking about in context of 2 Corinthians 9, finances and financial abundance. And you'll see that here in just a second. So now, here's what I want to do. Let's look at verse 8, and let's look at verse 10. And I want you to see these things in here. So in 2 Corinthians verse 9 and verse 8, uh, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8, it says, same verse we just read, I want you to notice this. And God is able. Now, when he writes this, he's writing this so that the believers reading this would see the will of God that God has for them. And in this verse, there is uh, one, two, three things in this verse that God wills towards any believer that will pick this up and have it and decide, I want that, what do I need to get a hold of that? And I want you to see this. The first thing is, and God is able, this is God's will for every believer, to make all grace abound to you. How would you like to have all the grace of God, all of it, abound to you? Wouldn't that be awesome? All grace, not just little grace, all of it. Grace in every situation, in every circumstance, every problem, it all has the solution of grace. This is God's will for us. That's God's will. This is what he's saying here by the Holy Spirit. So number one is God's will for you is all grace to abound. Then it says, so that having all sufficiency in everything. That is uh, two. That is the second part of the will of God in this verse. Having all sufficiency in everything. In other words, everything I'm, everything I'm operating in, I have sufficient supply. I'm sufficient. I've got everything I need. So part two is this, that I have sufficiency in everything. So all grace abounding, not just all grace, but all grace abounding. I have sufficiency in everything. And then it goes on so that you may have an abundance for every good deed. So all grace abounding, sufficiency in everything, and an abundance for every good deed. Listen, how many good deeds, like percentage-wise, percentage-wise in your life, how many good deeds have you been able to meet that God's called you to meet? out of your abundance. How many good deeds, let me put it this way, have you ever had a good deed that you really wanted to do in your life but you just couldn't because you didn't have the abundance to do it? I've had plenty. I've had more than my share. In other words, that is fruit that would have remained that passed me by because I didn't understand what I, and I didn't operate in there's a, there's a difference, not just understanding, but operating in what I'm teaching you tonight. Okay, And so, in, in, or, in order for me to walk in these things, I've got to first see that it's God's will for me. And this is God's will right here. So, 
uh, 1, 2, and 3, here's God's will. All grace abound to you, sufficiency in everything, abundance for every good deed. Now go to verse 10. And it says this. Now he, talking about God, again we're seeing the will of God, who supplies seed to the sower. Here's the next good thing that the will of God wants to supply to you. Seed to the sower. No, next one, bread for food. In other words, the things you need, they're supplied. He supplies seed, he supplies bread. Two different things. Now this is going to be important later on. Two different things here. Two different things. One is seed and one is what you need. Okay? One is seed for the sower and one is bread for you. Now I want you to start seeing this. We'll get to this in a second, but I want you to start seeing this. Two different buckets to draw out of. If you're drawing out of the abundance of God, out of God's well of abundance, His living water and provision, particularly in finances, and what you're going to find is what I'm teaching tonight, you'll be able to apply this not just to finances, but you'll be able to apply it in all different areas like anointing. You know, you can apply the same teaching to anointing, all right? All right, so let's say that you have one bucket that dipped down into the living water of God's life and it pulled up seed. And another bucket, two different buckets, and that was your supply, your abundance for you, okay? Abundance in your life, seed for the kingdom. Two different buckets. I want you to start seeing that and thinking that way because that will help you see and open this up to you. So going back, verse 10, here's the things that God wants us to have. Seed to the sower, bread for food, will supply and multiply your seed for sowing. In other words, he will take the seed that you are going to be sowing and when you throw it in the ground with just one seed, he is multiplying that seed. In other words, now that seed is going to multiply itself and produce fruit. Think, you know, I've used this, a stalk of corn. Plant two corn kernels down in the ground, get a stalk. That stalk's going to have three, four, five ears of corn. How many corn kernels are on each stalk? Probably thousands if you've got several ears of corn. So those two seeds have multiplied into thousands. Well, this tells us that God doesn't just want to give you seed. He wants to give you and multiply that seed sown. So in other words, when I plant it in the ground, he doesn't just bring up one stalk. He brings up multiplied stalks and multiplied increase. Okay? So this is something God wants to do for every believer. In this list, it's awesome. And then, and, and this is, I want you to focus on this, and increase the harvest of your righteousness. So let's look at the list just in these two verses that God wants to do in our lives and we need to operate in it. The more we operate in this, the more fruit we will have that remains. He wants to make all grace abound to you, sufficiency in everything, abundance for every good deed, seed to the sower, bread for food, multiply your seed for sowing, and increase the harvest of your righteousness. That is a great list. <laughs> that is an awesome, awesome list. But here's the thing. This is what we talked about a couple of weeks ago. That list didn't just get there. 
There was some stuff that needed to happen in order for us to walk in that. How many people would like to have all that on that list? Amen. But in order to get to that list, we have to back up a couple of verses and see, where does this start? Where does it begin? Now, I want to give you a clue here where it says at the end of verse 10, it says, increase the harvest of your righteousness. That encapsulates all of this. The beginning of this blessing starts when Jesus gave you, through that God gave you through Jesus, the gift of righteousness. Your righteousness is so important and the gift and what it opens up to you. He wants to show us how to increase the harvest. In other words, you can have a gift, but it doesn't mean that you plant it. He wants to show you how to plant your righteousness and receive the fullness of that harvest. The fullness, the abundance of the harvest of righteousness. So let's back up to verse 6. And verse 7. Now in verse 6, it says, Now I say this, He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Then it goes in verse 7, Each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. He loves a cheerful giver. Now I want to look at, let, let's look at the two different descriptive terms that God gives to the giver here. The first one in verse 6 says, He who sows bountifully. So you have a bountiful giver or an abounding giver, or an abundant giver. Okay, This is not just a giver. This is an abundant giver. There's a difference. I can be a giver, but I can also be different and be an abundant giver. Okay, So that's number one. Two is this, that in verse 7 it says, For God loves a cheerful giver not grudgingly or under compulsion. In other words, I'm not, I'm not mad because I have to give. I'm not sad about it, and I don't feel like I'm being forced to. If, if I'm feeling forced to, or I'm kind of, I just don't really want to, then I'm a grudging, and I might be given under compulsion, but I'm not cheerful about it. So I need to be an abundant giver and a cheerful giver. These are two different types of giver. You can be both at once. You can be a giver. You can be an abundant giver. You can be a cheerful giver. Or you can be an abundant cheerful giver. All of those at once. There's a difference between all of those. You're talking about four different types of givers right there. One's a giver. One's an ab abundant giver. They give a lot. One's a cheerful giver. They don't give a lot, but they're happy to do it. <laughs> and then you have an abundant, cheerful giver. Different levels of giving. All right. That's where this starts. You remember the list of stuff we all want to move into? This is where that starts right there. So let's, let's look at this. Sowing, this is something I wrote down. Sowing 
is truly something that has happened in your heart before the act of sowing has manifested. Sowing is something that has truly happened in your heart before the act of giving and sowing actually manifest in your life. In other words, if I'm sowing is something that if I'm going to give somebody something, it happens in my heart before I actually give it. This is very important for us to understand because he says as he purposed in his heart. This is really, really important because if we just, you know, on the fly just decide to give, but we're not purposed in our heart, then we're not fulfilling what he has laid out here. In other words, we can be a giver, but not be intentional in our heart about it, not be purposed in our heart that that's who we are, that that's who I am. I'm an abundant giver. That's who I am. I'm a cheerful giver. That's who I am. See, I can give, and I can even give in abundance, and I can even give cheerfully, and I can do it without having that purpose in my heart, and I'm missing out on something. There's a difference between me giving in abundance and giving cheerfully. It doesn't say just that they're a cheerful or an abundant giver. It says that they also had it purposed in their heart to be that. That's, in other words, you are defined by what is purposed in your heart. So the question then becomes, what have we purposed in our heart to do? Now, it, let's back up a little bit and let me show you some, these are some general mindsets towards financial thinking in the world, okay? These are some general mindsets, all right? The first one is this. Most people consider themselves a success if they make a lot of money. In other words, the mindset towards their finances is how much, what's the quantity of the money that I make? And if I make, you know, well then if I make, I can remember uh, years ago, I felt like if I made, you know, $30,000 a year, I was a success. Well, now that $30,000, you know, I don't consider that really a success anymore for multiple reasons, but then I can remember thinking, well, if I made 100000 I would be a success. Then I can remember thinking, if I make a million, that would be a success. And that's, that's tier number one of financial thinking in the world. How much income do I produce? How much do I make? But here's the thing with that. I, this is worldly thinking that qualifies finances in that level it's worldly thinking but not only is it worldly thinking it's immature worldly thinking <laughs> it is an immature view at finances but and here's why I can have I can make uh, $30,000 a year let's say let's say I'm making 30,000 a year and I spend 25 so I got 5,000 left over at the end of the year and that's what I can spend on vacations or whatever else and right and well I can make a hundred thousand a year and I can uh, spend 95 of that I've still got 5,000 left over I may have a few extra comforts and everything but I'm really no better than the guy that makes 30 that's why it's immature 
So a more mature thinking is this. It's not the quantity of money made. It's the quantity of money saved. In other words, it doesn't matter what I'm making. How much am I putting back? That, that's really, now that's a, and listen, this, that's a mature worldly thinking. It's still worldly though. That's a mature worldly thinking. So a lot, but you know what? There's a whole bunch of society that never even gets to that point in their financial thinking. They just stay at how much am I making a year? What does it say on my, you know, my W-2? Yeah. What does it say on my paycheck? If I make more, win. <laughs> you know, no, it's how really you need to move up a notch and say, how much am I saving? Because if I'm not saving and not putting in the storage, then I'm, I'm really not doing any better than anybody else, no matter what I make. All right, here's the other thing. That's the first one's immature worldly thinking. This one was mature worldly thinking. Here's level number three. When you understand the verses in 2 Corinthians 9 that I just read, you start to understand that not only does the quantity of your income, the money made, and the quantity of money saved, not only does that, is that kind of important, but not as important as the abundance that got you there. And that abundance doesn't come unless you're sowing. So you start to understand that we are moving into biblical thinking towards our finances and what becomes important right there, number three, is this, the quantity of money given or sown. Because the quantity of money sown is going to equal out to the quantity saved and the quantity made. When you understand biblical finances, you start to see that. In other words, what becomes important is not how much I make, it's not how much I save. The question is, how much have I given? How much have I sown that's now going to come up into a harvest? That's immature biblical thinking. Here's why. There's one more level, and that is the quantity of money given in love. Because the quantity of money sown in love is totally different from the quantity of money just given. If you look in, here's why. Lo, when I say in love, what I'm referring to is love listens to the commandment and is obedient to give only what God says to give. If you look at 1 Corinthians 13, 3, then you start to see that that person gave everything they had and still was outside of love and it profited them nothing. So I can give, 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 give and still profit zero from it. So a mature biblical stance on finances that beats the world's way, both of them, and beats the beginning biblical stance is to understand how much, what is the quantity of money that I'm sowing in obedience to God, that I'm seeking Him, hearing from Him, and then giving. Remember that Jesus never did anything but what He saw the Father do. This, this gives us an example that we need to live by that says, I need to make sure that I only give what I, what I see the Father give. You, you think about Jesus' time. His time was not given anywhere except where he saw the Father tell him to give it. 
We know that by Scripture. Well, you can apply that to your finances too. I don't need to be given unless he's told me. Now on tithes, it's very simple. It's 10% of your increase. Whatever you bring in in increase, most people in today's market, when, when they had fields and stuff, it was different. It's maybe a little easier to figure out. Most people, they will take their paycheck and they will count that as increase and they'll give 10% of that. You want to talk about gross, uh, gross or net pay and what you get paid, we can talk about those details later. It's really up to you to figure out. I have some thoughts on it, but I'm not here to talk about that. But tithe is already set by God to give, and so we have to make sure that we understand this is what he's told us to give. We need to be doing that. Otherwise, I'm not even entering into what the Lord has told me to give. But then you also have offerings on top of that, which is how much am I going to give over and above the tithe that we should absolutely be believing God for. Now let me show you something. When you get over into 2 Corinthians 9, and it's talking about moving into abundance for every good deed, and we get there by sowing, this is money that we purposed in our heart Listen, the tithe is not yours to purpose in your heart. In 2 Corinthians 9, it's not talking about the tithe. It's talking about offerings. And we're talking about increasing our fruit, which comes by the abundance that God gives us, which comes by what we've given in offerings. So we want to get over into the abundance, not only in our lives, but in the abundance of every good deeds. We've got to get beyond the tithe, and we've got to get into the offerings and seeking God on what that is. That's where this happens. Now this is moving into a more mature biblical understanding of finances. So this also, in this situation, when we look at the cheerful giver, what it, what it brings up to us is a question between grace versus sowing and reaping. So now in the church, I want to give you these mindsets towards biblical finances. You generally have, I just, I laid out five that I've seen in the majority. Uh, number one is this. Here's number one biblical mindset. And I'm not going to argue these uh, or give you the points for them. I'm just going to go through them and tell you where we are. Most of y'all have learned and know this by now. Number one is this. Uh, this is a mindset. I, it's not correct that God wants you poor and humble. Well, you can look at, he just won't, he's, he'll keep you poor and humble, right? If you're, not, if you're not poor, then you're not humble, and God wants you humble. Well, he does want you humble, but what you'll find is in 1 uh, Timothy chapter 6, it actually says that if we will be, uh, if we will combine being content and holiness, it will lead to much gain. Not just gain, but much gain. And it's literally talking about material things. And you see it all over the Word. It's God that gives you wealth. He wants you to abound. He wants you to be the head and not the tail. He wants you to be the lender and not the borrower. That means you're moving in abundance. Go to this verse that we're talking about already where it shows God's will is for us to move in abundance. So we know that that's not correct. The next one is God will sovereignly give you prosperity. Here's the biggest issue that I can, I can tell you about that. 
God has already decided sovereignly that he wants you prosperous and he named that in the blessings over in Deuteronomy 28 and Jesus fulfilled everything that needed to happen for you to be prosperous and over in uh, 3 John chapter 1 verse 2 it says beloved above all things I wish that you would be prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. All right so that's already off the table as well and here's one last thing about that is in order, if I stand back and say, well, if God wants me prosperous, he'll make me prosperous, how much faith does that take? Zero. And God is not pleased without faith. It's impossible to please him without faith. In Hebrews 11, verse 6, it's impossible to please him. That is not God either. Now this, when somebody starts to move into biblical knowledge about finances, they will generally end up in this third point, that God wants me prosperous. And they know that God does want me prosperous, but in their heart they have no faith or action towards it. And so, in other words, they have head knowledge, but not heart knowledge, and then they don't put any action towards it. And because of that, that one's no good either. But it is a beginning. That's where a lot of people start to realize and, and finances start to come alive to them. The abundance starts to come alive. Now, the last one, or four and five, is seed time and harvest. In other words, in Genesis chapter 6, it says that as long as the earth remains, seed, time, and harvest will remain. And so what people do, they see that promise of God, and, and this works. It absolutely works. But I'm, you're going to see it's limited, okay? So they will put seed, they will sow money into the kingdom of God. Time will pass, and they harvest off of that seed. Absolutely works. So most people are either in that thinking or this one, that is point five that I am in prosperity through the grace that God has given me alone. In other words, I just believe God because of His grace, I am prosperous. That also works. It absolutely works. But also, it's limited. And I'm going to show you why. So, seed time and harvest says this, I will abundantly increase as I sow abundantly. I will abundantly increase as I sow abundantly. And that, that's true. Prosperity through grace says, I will abundantly increase simply because of grace. Just because Jesus loved me and paid, paid for everything. When he uh, rose up from the grave, grace was given, and I am in abundance because of that grace true and they believe God and they receive because of that and that alone it absolutely does work but both of those by themselves is limited now let, let me just uh, write this up here or Deb will you come write this just right here just write uh, abundance through grace and then a line and then over here write seed time and harvest So let's look at grace for a second. John 16, 15. And we're going to move through these scriptures pretty quickly. So John 16, 15 says this. It says, now this is Jesus talking. 
all things that the Father has are mine. How many of the Father's things? How many of the Father's things are Jesus? All. He says, all things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. He will disclose all things to you. In other words, he will open up every promise, everything to you. He will open it up to you, period. He will do it. Then Jesus says, and how many of those things are going to be lacking? None, because all things are given. So in grace, Jesus has everything. And by the Holy Spirit moving through grace, he's going to, he'll disclose it all to you. That's a part of what's happening to you tonight. You are having all things to gloat, uh, disclose to you so you can see it and operate in the fullness of it. 2 Peter 1, 2 through 3. Second Peter 1, 2 says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and, our, and Jesus our Lord. What be multiplied? Grace. Grace and peace. And in that, seeing that, verse 3, seeing that his divine power has granted to us, it's already been done, it's already been granted. What's been granted? Everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. Now listen, life and godliness, when we went back over there and it said abundance for every good deed and we went back into John and it said fruit and fruit that remains, are those things included in life and godliness? Yes, and so is abundance included in life and godliness? And then, has it? yes it is. Has it already been granted? Has it already been given to every believer? Sure it has. So, what things are we lacking in grace? Nothing. And then, let, let's go on to Romans 8, 32. I just want you to see this clearly, that we are lacking nothing Romans 8 32 God the father it's talking about he who did not spare his own son but delivered him over for us all how will he not also with him with Jesus freely give us all things in other words Paul was asking here how will he not do that he's already given us freely all things so what things are supplied in grace all abundance is supplied in grace all of it it's awesome but then all right now let's go to Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3 and it says this blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Now if you know anything about how spiritual things work, when he blessed us in heavenly places, that gave us the root and foundation for everything in the physical that we need. 
That's a whole nother teaching, but I'm telling you that it's that way. I'll let you go uh, find that for yourself in Hebrews 11.3. Amen? You can read that and see that. All right, so now, so in other words, again, what are we missing? He's given us everything. He's freely given us all things. So do you have abundance right now? It's in you. You have that through what? Grace. Grace gives us all things and all abundance. But how can we then be limited in it? Let, let's go uh, to second, or excuse me, let's go through Romans 5:21. Romans 5:21. I'm taking you on a journey. You going with me? All right. So it says here in Romans 5.21, So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace would reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So what does grace come through? What is it that turns grace on in our life? Righteousness. Grace is empowered and made possible through righteousness. That's very, very important. It's made possible and through righteousness. So everything that's supplied in grace comes through the gift of righteousness. All right, now let's go back to 2 Corinthians 9.10. You're going to see how all this connects together in just a few minutes. 2 Corinthians 9 and 10 says, Now, this is the verse we were reading at the beginning. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. It will increase the harvest of your righteousness. So, in other words, even though I have all things through grace, it doesn't mean we know that grace comes through righteousness, that righteousness can have a harvest bigger or smaller, and he's showing us how to increase that harvest and get it to fullness. So you can see that even though we, have, we can be believing God for abundance through grace, we may have a little bit more, we may have a little bit less. Even though all things are available through it, we can still have more or less because our harvest of righteousness can be increased or decreased. God wants us to live in the most increased harvest of our righteousness. You go, uh, let's go into 1 Corinthians 6.12. First Corinthians 6:12 All things are lawful for me but not all things are profitable. In other words, even though grace has afforded me to be free from the law, all things are lawful. Even though grace has afforded me freedom, even though grace has afforded me all things, even the abundance in grace there's ways that I can move into areas that will be more profitable or less profitable. 
Okay? So, hold on. If grace has supplied everything, how can I move in more or less of it if it's all there? That's what we're looking at. All right, go uh, flip over to chapter 10 and verse 23. And again, the same thing. All things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful, but not all things edify. Not all things build up. So in grace, I have all things, but let me just put it like this in Brian's paraphrase. That doesn't mean I'm walking in all things. Just because I have all things afforded to me and I've been given every spiritual gift, that does not mean that my harvest of righteousness and grace is the most it can be. So we can operate in living in an abundance by grace, but it doesn't mean that we're going to see the fullness of that abundance. That does not mean that. All right? So how can we have grace alone give us all things, yet not all things bring profit, or we have more or less of a harvest of righteousness? Listen, you don't earn your salvation in any area, including prosperity and provision. You do not earn your salvation. You do not earn the saving grace in your finances. You don't earn that. You believe for it. You believe God for it. That takes faith towards the gift of righteousness to supply those things. Faith has a response and a corresponding action. Now, here's what I want you to see. Now, here's what will happen with abundance through grace. And let, let's put this uh, right up here. Abundance through grace does this. It has... Uh, just write, write it right here. No, no, just write it right here. Okay. We're going to put, uh, just put action right there. Abundance through grace takes us through these actions. Faith, toward faith. Let's do it big, like this big. Really big. Faith, and then that leads us to receiving. There you go. Prosperity through grace takes us from faith towards righteousness and then receiving. We move from faith into receiving. Okay? Now, seed time and harvest, on this side, seed time and harvest, its actions are sowing and then faith on the seed and then receiving. Okay? So, prosperity through grace has faith in the righteousness of God and because I'm righteous, I receive. Because of grace, I receive. But seed time and harvest has sow, faith on that seed, and then receiving again. Just sow, then faith, and then receive. There we go. So these are the actions that each one of these take. 
Abundance through grace action is faith and then it receives off of that faith for grace. Seed time and harvest sows, then it applies faith to the seed and then it receives off of the seed sown. Okay, Each one of those goes to the next. Here's the action. Now, here's the problem with each one. Seed time and harvest. What's the first action that happens? Sowing, right? Is that faith or works? Which one's supposed to come first? Faith. So what you have here is works, then faith, and then you receive. So is this sowing, seed time and harvest alone, is it under the law or under grace? It's under the law because the works come first. Let's go over here. Abundance and prosperity through grace. You have faith first and then receiving. Right? Now, if I'm, where is, we have the first part of faith that believes God for grace, but where's the works? Now, the receiving's just receiving. Where's the works on it? Over here, you've got works coming first. You've got them in the law. But over here, in most cases, what you have is that person, they're able to believe God for themselves in grace, but there's no sowing with it. So what you have is you have uh, a limited amount in both areas. Let me get you to think in terms of buckets. All right. Here's a bucket. And right here is a bucket. Under abundance through grace, you have a bucket of provision. And under seed time and harvest, you have a bucket of provision. Both of them comes when you receive. If I'm operating, so let me, let me say this. If I'm operating in just abundance through grace and prosperity through grace, how many buckets am I drawing out of? One bucket. But how many do I have available to me? Two. See, the error here is where we separate these two when they're not supposed to be. They're supposed to be connected. If I'm operating in seed time and harvest only, how many buckets are there? One. And so now I want you to see this. Where is my seed to sow? This bucket over here is designed to be my abundance. This is my abundance. This is what I live from. This is what my overflow for every good deed is. This bucket over here is seed, my seed to sow. Over here, I receive, receive under abundance through grace, I receive my seed to sow, and then I sow it, and then I apply faith, and then I receive my abundance. Now let's look at that real quick. Let's go back into these verses in 2 Corinthians. 
You remember I told you to pay attention to the two different buckets? So let's look at these promises that we looked at first. In uh, verse 9, and ver- I mean verse 8 and verse 10, 2 Corinthians 9, 8 and verse 10. All grace abound to you. Which, which bucket is that in? It's in my abundance. It comes after seed time and harvest. Okay? Let's look at the next one. Sufficiency in everything. Everything I have need in, I have sufficiency. That's in the, my abundance bucket. It comes after seed time and harvest. Abundance for every good deed. Now, this is not only abundance, but the overflow is seed. In other words, this is kind of in both buckets. All right? Then you have seed to the sower. Which bucket is that? That's in the one that comes through uh, abundance through grace. That's in the bucket over here. This is seed to the sower. Bread for food. That's after seed time and harvest in my abundance. Multiply seed for sowing. That's seed, my seed that comes after abundance through grace in that bucket and then increase the harvest of your righteousness. I would say that that generally includes both of it. Now here's what I want you to see. If you were just believing God for finances and abundance through grace, where is your your seed coming from? From the bucket that that fills up, right? Where is your living and your needs and sufficiency and abundance for every good deed coming out of the same bucket. In other words, you are pulling money for your needs out of your seed. See, if I don't connect these two and have two buckets, then I'm limited to one bucket, and in either case, I'm eating the fruit of the other one. I'm limited to that. If I come over here to seed time and harvest, but I don't believe in abundance through grace, yet I'm just sowing my money. If I abundantly sow, I will abundantly reap. It comes over here. This is sowing, seed, time, and then harvest. Harvest is for who? It's for me. But here's the question over here. Where did my seed come from in the first place? See, if I'm not coming over here, if I'm not receiving the seed first, then my seed is still, it's coming off the top. It's here coming out of my abundance. So now I'm double dipping into the same bucket when I should have two buckets. Are you seeing that? So without combining these two, I'm limited to one bucket. So half of it, you know, just using broad terms, half of it is going to seed and half of it is going to abundance. And in neither one am I planting the fullness or reaping the fullness of the harvest. Both of them are limited. At at the most, I'm receiving about 25% of abundance. That's the best givers. That's the best givers. Can you see that? We have been operating out of just one bucket of provision and minimally operating at that. See, over here, if I'm eating, if I'm planting my abundance, then I'm missing out. Over there, if I'm eating my seed, then I'm missing out. Either way, I'm missing out unless I combine these two and I start moving into abundance by grace and seed time and harvest. 
In other words, you remember those verses that says we have everything through grace, but yet we can increase and become more profitable? How can we have all things? Well, this is the connection. Once we combine the two of these, what is this showing us and talking to us about increasing the harvest of our righteousness? How is it telling us to increase the harvest of our righteousness? That's in verse 10. And increase the harvest of your righteousness. It had just got finished telling us how to increase. So we've got to go back at the beginning and see that how we increased in the harvest of our righteousness was that we had seed time and harvest. We were sowers. We were abundant, cheerful sowers. And that led to a bountiful, full harvest. But watch this. If we just move in seed time and harvest, we've still got works before faith. We're still in the law. We've got to combine some faith that the gift of righteousness gave to us freely before we'll have the sowing seed, the multiplied seed to sow. So what we do is we come back all the way to the beginning here and we put faith towards what? To the fact that Jesus was everything we needed. That he has provided me all grace. That he's given me all righteousness. Now I want you to see this. What do we need to do? We need to, how do we apply faith? We purpose in our heart by faith to be an abounding and cheerful giver. Remember what we were talking about earlier? That we said, look, I don't just need to be a giver and I don't need to be one or the other. I need to be an abounding, cheerful giver. That will give me the abundance of seed. He will give seed to the abounding, cheerful sower. In other words, an abounding, cheerful sower will have an abundance of seed that now is able to be sown into the kingdom. This is not just to anybody, but it's seed sown into the kingdom. And then when we apply faith to that seed sown, we will receive our abundance that we live off of and have for every good work. So by starting at the beginning and believing God through righteousness and grace for an abundance of seed, because we're an abundant, cheerful giver, He will overflow the bucket of our seed to sow. That will give us the maximum seed to plant into the ground, which will then give us the maximum harvest for your life and the abundance for every good work. Can you see that process? All right, now, here's the question. How do we go about this? How do I become an abundant and cheerful giver? I need, we need to purpose in our heart to become an abundant, cheerful giver. How do we do that? How many people would like to think that I'm that already? But the truth is, we're not. We're just not. But we need to get there. And I'm going to tell you how right now. Here's the questions we need to ask ourselves. Am I an abounding giver? Are, are you an abounding giver? 
And this is not a question. Listen, if everything relies on us becoming an abounding, cheerful giver and all of our abundance in our life stems from that point, these are questions that we need to be really honest with ourselves with. In other words, I don't need to be fooling myself thinking I'm an abundant giver when I'm really not because when I become fully in my heart an abundant, cheerful giver, he will give me seed. So I need to get real honest. Am I an abounding giver? And am I, two different questions, am I a cheerful giver? Here's a story that I think tells the difference between whether we are or whether we're not. Let me ask you this question, and everybody can answer it in their own head, but then I'm going to give you a scenario, okay? How much do you want to give next year? How much, like if you could pick out a figure right now and say, this is what I want to give next year, think about that figure. Think about that figure. All right, so I recently asked somebody this question. I said, how much do you want to give next year? And they gave me a great amount. Like if they gave that amount to here at the church, uh, we'd be having some new stuff. I mean, it'd be awesome. It'd be great. I mean, it was just, it. But and they said, I want to give next year $20,000, right? Well, man, that's awesome. Even if that's the tithe, that means $200,000 income. If it's tithe and giving, you're looking at, you know, pretty good, pretty good, right? $20,000 to the church. For most people, that's awesome. Now, I don't know what number you just came up in your head. But here's what I want to show you. How many things, how many things did Grace say that we have? Everything. Does everything beat whatever number you had in your head? So why wasn't your number higher? See, we might be a giver, but are we an abounding giver according to Grace? According to all things, if God's given us all things, uh, or, or did all things in grace just beat us out? It just beat us out. Almost all of us, you know. See, that's just it. it let's say that, you know, let's say the, the question there is, you know, well, I want to give 20000 How come it wasn't a million? How come you didn't say, I want to be a million? See, we are limited by our own thinking because we don't know what righteousness and grace afforded us. And therefore, in the eyes of God, we're not abundant givers. We're just givers. You see the difference? See, our thinking is already limiting our seed. We can't give that much seed because our mind's not going beyond, you know, in this case, $20,000. You see the difference? In other words, we're not believing how does, how does this bucket of seed money, how does that bucket get full? Faith in our righteousness, the gift of righteousness. So when we start applying faith towards the gift of righteousness, whatever level of faith we give towards righteousness that has given us all things, that freely gives us all things, whatever faith, that's what fills our seed bucket. That seed bucket is then what fills our abundance through the harvest. So see, our thinking, how much do we want to give next year, has everything to do with how much seed we're going to have. 
And see, we're just talking about things that we're thinking of. We're not even to the point yet where we've taken what we think and turned it into a purposed heart. And then we're wondering when we get into a meeting or something and you want to give more, where's my seed at? I would give more if I had seed. It's not there because we haven't applied faith towards our righteousness, towards what righteousness and grace has afforded us. We haven't applied faith to give us seed and multiply seed to the sower. Can you see that? Does that make sense? All right, here's the other question. So uh, I, I was talking, talking to the same person, and, and I was asking them this, and, and I said, uh, um, let's say that you're making... $40,000 a year, right? Are you a cheerful giver? Let's say that you're making $40,000 a year. So let me, just, let me just put this up here. Here's $40,000 a year. All right. Let's say that God increases you to $100,000 next year. Next year, God's going to give you $100,000 a year income. How much of that, how much are you going to give to God? How much of, you got 60000 extra, how much are you going to give to God? And you don't have to tell me, but think about it in your heart. And so uh, the answer, I, I, I don't remember the exact answer, but let's just say uh, that it was 20000 there. 20000 given to God extra, Right? That's awesome to most people. But here's the question. You already proved that you could live off of 40K. You've got 60K extra. What would a cheerful giver do? A cheerful giver would say, I can live off of 40. Man, that's 60. That's bonus for God. I, I'm willing to give every bit of it. Uh, every... All 60K extra. See, what we're defining here is the difference between abundance and cheerful, where we think we're abundant and we think we're cheerful, but we're really not. See, a cheerful giver would say, I'm going to give you that full 60K. I'm ready to give it. I'm happy to give it. I didn't have it last, last year. This year I get to give into the kingdom, seek him first and give him an extra 60 grand a year. I can live on 40. I've already proven that. Woohoo! That's what a cheerful giver would do. And would, but see, here's the thing. Remember what I said in, um, well, we'll come back to that in a second. I, I wrote this down. Abounding knows only the limits of obedience to God. An abounding giver only knows, but not just a giver, an abounding, an abundance. The only limits an abounding person knows is the obedience to God. In other words, the only reason why I wouldn't say I'm going to give a billion dollars next year it's because God, I seek him, and he says, just do a million. An abounding giver only knows the limits of obedience to God. Here's the other thing. Cheerful is always looking for ways to give everything 
not just percentages. A cheerful giver is looking for ways to give everything, not just percentages. So can you see that we need a renewed mind on cheerful giving and abundant giving? Can you see that? But then cheerful, you know, uh, changing our mind and renewing our mind to be in an abundant and cheerful giver is just the beginning. Then we've got to make it purposed in our heart and be intentional in our heart to become an abundant and cheerful giver because he says the abundant and cheerful giver he will give seed to that kind of sower as he purposed in his heart, as they become that person. And what's God going to do? We need, <clears throat> we need to see that if you're not a bounding, cheerful giver in your heart first, the abundant seed won't be there for you to sow and the abundant harvest won't be there either. But what would probably happen if God did double our income? This, you know, 60K. The truth of the matter is, he would probably say, you know, and I'm just making up numbers here, but let's say we made 40K uh, last year and he gave us an extra 60K and now we're making 100,000 a year. We had 60,000 extra in there. What would God probably do? Would he ask you for all 60K? Probably not. Why? Because he wants you to be operating in the abundance too. He said the whole uh, principle in the Bible is that you not only have your supply, but you operate and live out of that abundance. So what happens is he would probably say, look, take 30K of that and, and man, be blessed. Pay off some debt. Pay off your debt. You know, you go buy a new car, don't go in debt for it, but you go buy a new car, fine, fine. He wants you to be blessed. But then he'd probably say, but 30 of it I do want you to give to the kingdom. And this would be now seed that he's given you that how much, how much harvest do you think you're going to get off of 30K? We're talking about multiplied here. And we're not just talking about multiplied. We're talking about multiplied seed. So he takes that 30K, multiplies that, and then gives you a harvest on a multiplied 30K. How abundant is that? Can you see how we're supposed to be operating? And if we're not pulling seed and our living out of one bucket, now God can move us into abundance. If we truly, listen to this, if we truly purposed in our heart, not just desired. It's one thing to desire to be an abundant and cheerful giver. It's another thing to purpose in your heart. If we truly purposed in our heart and not just desired to be an abounding and cheerful giver, abundant seed would be given then multiplied, then time would, time would process and our harvest of our righteousness would be increased to full abundance that God has planned for you. So go back, go back, listen to this message again, particularly when I get into asking the questions, am I an abounding giver? Am I a cheerful giver? Because you've got to get that settled in your mind first so then it can drop into your heart. And then God will be able to take that heart and say, 
I'm going to give major seed to that. And he goes this. Now I, I say this. He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will. This is a promise. Will also reap bountifully. Each one must do just as he's purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. This is God's plan for you. And now you can take, we used finances as an example, but what if we plug in anointing? I'm a Believe I'm an abundant and cheerful giver of the anointing that you give me, Father. And by faith in the righteousness, the gift of righteousness, I receive that. And so we receive a big, full, multiplied seed bucket full of anointing. And then we sow that anointing into people. And then we believe in faith for it to increase through seed time and harvest, and then we receive even more anointing to operate in our own lives. And when we go to pray for our own kids when they're not feeling well, boom, they're healed just like that. So this is moving. And then when we move into that abundance, we have abundance for every good deed, which then gives us the fruit that remains. Without operating in this, we don't have the fruit that remains in the fullness that God has for us. But we can increase in our fruit that God's called us to in this earth by understanding the kingdom principles behind finances and sowing and reaping and what has already been given us through in grace through the gift of righteousness. It's for you. It's for anybody that will believe it. All we have to do is make sure that we start purposing in our heart and become that person that is an abounding and cheerful giver. Amen? Amen. I hope that helped you. Lord, I just ask right now that this would continue to just uh, be unwrapped in the minds and in the hearts of people that they would see the abundance and they would see your plan so that they would start to have buckets of seed ready to be sown and buckets of abundance to fill their need and abundance for every good deed so that the fruit of God can abound in their life. Fruit that remains. Lord, I just ask that that continue to be unwrapped and strength to move into it, Lord, so that you have just a kingdom full of people that understand how to move into the fullness of your call, the fullness of fruit, and the fullness of abundance for their lives and the lives of others. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a good one. Have a good night. Thank you for joining us.